0: Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Dear people of the Lord. Every class, it seems, had one or more of them: The lawyer, the deal maker, the do as little as possible negotiator, the, the sycophant, you know the types. Imagine you're in middle school, or maybe high school. And at the end of class one day, your teacher announces, Well, class, you'll be happy to know I've decided you've worked really, really hard this week, and you have exams coming up next week, so tonight I'm giving you a break. No homework. Now, does that actually end the hour? Does everyone just file out of the room with a smile on their faces? No, there are always those kids. Teacher, do, does that mean that you've also canceled our overdue assignments so we don't have to turn them in anymore? So so does this mean that every Thursday is now a no-homework day? Miss Smith, what if someone wants to do some homework anyway? If we turn something in, will we get extra credit for it? Mr. Phillips, are, are you telling the other classes this too? Because it would be really cool if we didn't have homework and they did. If you are the teacher in that scenario, you are probably not surprised, but you are frustrated. All you wanted was to give your students a break and, and maybe give them something to be happy about, but it inevitably got spoiled. Some tried to take your thoughtfulness and generosity and and squeeze more advantage out of it. Some got so bogged down in details that they completely missed the point, and pretty much all of the questioners failed to appreciate the gift you were giving them and its purpose. And it took hardly any time at all. Something similar happened, and still happens, with the Lord's command to keep the Sabbath day holy. It was a generous gift to his people and intended for their benefit, but pretty much from the start there were those who failed to appreciate it, those who completely missed its point and purpose, and those who who looked either for the best way to take personal advantage of it or for the easiest and most minimal way to obey it. In the Old Testament, we find Israel not taking the Sabbath seriously, viewing it as an obstacle to be resented and and overcome, or or even ignored entirely. But as we saw in today's Gospel, by by Jesus' time, the the legalists had taken over, and all the Pharisees and others were, were painstaking in their observance of the Sabbath. They had no understanding of or appreciation for God's intention in setting apart that day as holy and special or for the spiritual rest that the Sabbath was meant to represent. Let's read again our first lesson, Deuteronomy 512 to 15 to hear exactly what God actually had in mind for his people. Observe the Sabbath day by setting it apart as holy, just as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you are to serve and perform all of your regular work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath rest to the Lord your God. You are not to do any regular work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the alien who resides within your gates in order that your male servant and your female servant may rest like you. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the day of rest. Now, Deuteronomy means second law. And the book is basically the final instructions and review that Moses gives the people of Israel before he dies and they enter the promised land of Canaan after 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Since there were few left alive in the group who had been at Mount Sinai for the original giving of the Ten Commandments and who would remember it all, it was important to give them one more time so that they were fresh and and vivid in these people's minds. And, And that was especially true of what we call the Third Commandment, because there were plenty of practical reasons why remembering and keeping it would be very different once they settled in the land with fields to plow and plant and harvest and servants to employ, with strangers and aliens living within city gates, all these things that had not been a part of their experience before. And just as at Mount Sinai, with this giving of the command, God made sure to explain why they were to set aside their work. He wanted them to know the rest of the story. And when he had Moses teach this commandment the first time in Exodus 20, it was the story of the Lord's rest that he emphasized. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now that's a reference to what we learn all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 at the end of the account of the world's creation. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, the Lord obviously was not tired and needing some time to recover His his energy or health after doing that work of creating. The rest He took had a sacred purpose, and He established that rest, that freedom from work, for all creation. And since He created man in His own image, perfect man would enjoy perfect rest in God's perfect world. It was the Lord's Sabbath, but he shared and entrusted it to man and and for all his creation for our good so that we would always have rest in the Lord. The fall into sin ruined that, of course. And part of the punishment for Adam and Eve's disobedience was a a physical manifestation of the loss of their spiritual rest. From that point on, man would work the soil with labor and toil, with sweat and strain ending in exhaustion. The children of Israel knew labor and toil well by the time God sent them Moses. Since they had gone down to Egypt with Jacob hundreds of years earlier during a time of famine, they had grown into a great nation. But the Egyptians had put them to work as their slaves, and they suffered, and they toiled, and they labored. But the Lord heard their cries for deliverance, and he appointed Moses as their deliverer. Now you may recall that escaping their slavery was hardly a quick and easy thing. Moses went to Pharaoh to ask for their freedom, but Pharaoh's heart was hard. He did not want to lose his free labor force, and he refused. And each time he refused, God had Moses announce a plague on Egypt. And each time the plague was more devastating and more obviously a work that only God could accomplish. And it was only after the tenth plague, in which the firstborn in every house in Egypt perished in the night, only after that plague, that Pharaoh finally consented to let the people go. And after they were gone, he changed his mind and sent his army after them. So they went straight from the strain of their labors to the stress of fearing for their lives. But the Lord gave them rest from that, too. He opened up the Red Sea for Israel to pass through on dry ground, but closed the waters back up when the Egyptians tried to follow, completely destroying Pharaoh's mighty army. The people were safe because God brought them out from Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. This was the rest of Israel's story. And the Lord, through Moses, gave them that as the foundation and motivation of the Sabbath command in this second giving of the law here in Deuteronomy. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the day of rest. Israel's special relationship with their God the covenant sealed at Mount Sinai brought them into a spiritual rest because there would be no longer any doubt about whose they were or or what they should do or how they should show it, only certainty. There would be only love and grace and mercy. And that spiritual rest matched up with the temporal rest that he had given them by rescuing them from their slavery and from Egypt's soldiers. It made perfect spiritual sense then that they would remember to enjoy the rest of their relationship with the Lord by enjoying rest from labor and toil on the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath. You don't have to read very far into the Old Testament, though, to see that the Israelites were far from perfect in their observance of the Sabbath, and thus they hardly enjoyed perfect rest in their new land. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, God lists his people's desecration of his Sabbaths as one of the prime reasons why he, hundreds of years later, allowed them to be conquered and taken away into exile in Babylon. Why did they fail so thoroughly? I'm sure if you had asked them, they would have given any number of reasons why they stopped keeping the Sabbath day holy. But we can hardly think that we ourselves would have done much better. Because doing anything perfectly is beyond our ability. We are all. Jews and Gentiles alike, we are all thoroughly corrupted by sin, all the way back to Adam and Eve because of their sin. And just as we will never be able to enjoy perfect physical rest on this earth, but will instead have to work and toil for our food, so also we do not enjoy spiritual rest. Because our constant state of rebellion against our Lord means we have no peace. We are by nature hostile to Him, not even neutral. And both our consciences and the law of God we find in His Word testify that we have every reason to fear His punishment for our disobedience. And the fear, of death and of damnation to hell, getting what we deserve for all we have done, is hardly restful. But The Lord has never wanted that for anyone. And so there is more to the story. The rest of Christ's story. God so loved the world, that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to deliver us from our bondage to sin and death, in a way far greater and far more powerful than the way that He delivered Israel from Egypt and their slavery. As the God-man, Jesus took our place, both in perfectly obeying His Father's commands and in suffering the pains and dying the death that we deserved. Jesus was crucified as our Savior and substitute and His blood washed away the sins of all the world and His resurrection guaranteed eternal life in the restful bliss of heaven to all who put their trust in Him. And this rescue and relief is exactly what Jesus said He came for And it is exactly what he wants every sinner. You, me, your friends and neighbors, your strangers, your enemies. wants all people to know and to embrace in faith. He gives a most gracious invitation in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for your souls. That's what this is all about. That's what the Old Testament Sabbath was all about too. Even with the rules about not working, our reading today from Colossians makes it clear that those regulations and and principles were but a, a shadow of the things that were to come in Christ. And now that the reality, now that Christ has come, there is no need to bother ourselves with the shadow since we can live in the light. But the rest is still important because even when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ by forgiving us all our trespasses. Believe it. Count on Jesus and what He did for you. And then all of this is the rest Of your story? Are you stressed out, struggling to be perfect, a perfect mother, a perfect child, a perfect husband, a perfect student, perfect Christian, perfect saint? Go to Jesus and discover that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Do you lie awake at night sometimes thinking, what have I done? fearful of the consequences of your secret or your not-so-secret sins. Turn them all over to the Lord. See them all taken away and, and nailed to the cross, never to disturb you again. Find forgiveness in the blood of Christ. Find rest for your soul. And the story of your rest in Christ means that you are also free of those who might judge you for things that are not commanded for us as Christians, food or drink or in regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. You are free from any obligation to do the works of the law to gain God's favor or a place in heaven, because these have already been given to you fully in Jesus at, at no cost to you and with no effort from you, but costing Him His very life and blood, but then entirely out of love for you. and So instead of seeing the third commandment as a burden to be borne or a regulation to be managed, we rejoice in it. As an opportunity to enjoy what we have so lovingly and mercifully been given. Martin's, Lu, Martin Luther's ex- explanation in his small catechism says it so succinctly and so well. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and His word, but regard it as holy and gladly hear and learn it. So the rest of your story includes a joyful devotion to God's Word and to worshiping Him. It includes sharing the rest that He has secured for you by telling our story of sin and Christ's story of salvation, inviting other exhausted laboring sinners to come to Jesus and set aside their burdens and find rest in Him. This is a joy for us because this is who we are. Just as the Israelites were the people who were slaves in Egypt but became the ones whom the Lord their God brought out from there, So we are the people who were in bondage to sin, dead in our trespasses, but have now been delivered from death and hell and given righteousness, eternal life, and a place in paradise. This identity we have and this rest we enjoy, imperfectly now, perfectly in eternity, these are valuable and wonderful, worthy of taking care of and protecting. And so we will willingly, joyfully, constantly keep the Sabbath. We will treasure the rest that we have from Christ, treasure the word in which we learn of it, treasure the sacraments in which we are assured of and experience it, and treasure every opportunity we have to come together and to thank and to praise and to learn more of the Lord our God who has given this rest to us. This, this is our story, and this is our rest. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.